It's that time of year when we all want to hear a good old-fashioned ghost story. In the Middle Ages, many of these tales were often loaded with hidden meaning for the listener, and tried to explain the unexplainable to their medieval audience. Some come from the Viking sagas, others were written by members of the church, and others have been passed down verbally through families. Many of the monastic ghost stories involve a dead person pleading for help from the living to lessen their suffering in the afterlife. Here are some of those creepy tales about shapeshifters, witches, ghosts, and demons that would have gripped listeners more than a thousand years ago. Welcome to Medieval Madness. The Bloody Head The 10th and 11th century abbot and prolific chronicler, Alfred of Ainsham, told a tale about a saint named Edmund who handed himself over to the Vikings. Edmund hoped to stop them from raiding the English coast by converting them to Christianity. But they just laughed at him, and after torturing Edmund, they chopped off his head and threw it into the forest. According to church rites at that time, the head needed to be buried with the body so that a person was whole when they stood before God on the Day of Judgment. Someone who had seen the execution had a good idea where the head had been thrown. A search party went into the woods and called out to Edmund's soul. Eventually, they heard the head call back to them. Here. 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 The head was being guarded by a wolf, which kept any other animals from feeding on it. After the recovery of his head, Edmund was buried as a martyr. The Domain of the Dead An important historian of the Holy Roman Empire, Thietmar of Merseburg, included stories of vengeful spirits in his Chronicon, which was written in the early 11th century. He said, quote, My niece Brigid, the abbess of St. Laurent Monastery, told me this tale about Bishop Baudry from Utrecht. The church in the city of Deventer had been partially destroyed by the Slavs, so the bishop gave permission for it to be renovated and reconsecrated. A priest was put in charge of the operation. One morning, the priest witnessed dead people inside the church singing psalms and celebrating mass. He told the bishop, who ordered the priest, to sleep inside the church. The next night, the priest found himself being physically thrown out of the church by the dead, along with the bed that he was sleeping on. Upset and visibly shaken, the priest went back to the bishop. Now he was ordered to sprinkle holy water around the church and surround himself with holy relics. Under no circumstances must you leave the church which is in your care, the bishop told him. Afraid but determined to carry out his duty, the priest stayed in the church the next night and lay awake. The dead came and lifted up his body before placing it on the altar. Then they lit a kindling fire around him and held his body down until he burned to death in the flames. When the bishop heard what had happened, he ordered that a penitent mass should be held for three days. That way, the priest would receive the help he needed for his soul to enter heaven. A Demonic Visitor the French Benedictine chronicler Rodolphus Gleber began his account of the history of Burgundy and France in 1028. It included this vivid story of his own experience when meeting the devil. Rodolphus the monk was staying at St. Lager Monastery in Champcou. 
It was just before matins in the darkness of early morning. A shrunken little man approached him from the foot of the bed. The figure had a frightening appearance. He was medium-sized with a scrawny neck, an emancipated face, and coal-black eyes. The forehead was deeply creased and lined, the nose was thin, and he had a wide mouth with flabby lips. He had a goat-like beard spread over a pointed chin, and his ears were also pointy and hairy. His hair was matted and stood up on end, and he had teeth like a dog. The head was thin, the chest bloated. He had a hunched back and his legs were shaking. His clothing was filthy and his whole body quivered. He grabbed hold of the bed head and suddenly hit it and said, You will not stay here any longer. Rodolphus woke up in terror and the ghoul was still there. Gnashing his teeth, he repeated the same thing over and over again. You will not stay here any longer. The monk jumped out of bed and ran towards the altar of the Blessed Father Benedict. Once there, he prostrated himself and lay there terrified for a long time. Rodolphus tried to remember all of the serious transgressions that he had committed throughout his life. He became very aware that he had seldom repented out of fear and love for God's holiness. So as he lay there despondent and confused, he repeated, O Lord, who came to save us sinners, have pity upon me in your great mercy. The Gift of Snakes and Toads Caesarius of Heisterbach was a Cistercian monk who told this tale in his book about Christian teachings and integrity. A knight died and left all of his property to his son. His great fortune had been amassed through money lending. One evening, he went up to his son's door and boldly knocked on it. A servant asked why he was knocking. The knight gave his name and replied, I am your lord, let me in. The servant peeked out and although he recognized the spirit, he refused him entry saying, my master is dead. The spectral knight continued to knock, but the servant refused to open the door. So he demanded that the servant quote, take my food, which are these fish to my son. I will leave them hanging here on the door handle. The following morning, his son had found a number of snakes and toads tied together, squirming at the door. Now we know that this is the sustenance supposedly offered in hell, and it is cooked in flaming sulfur. The Witch of Berkeley Women were often portrayed as devious and wicked during the Middle Ages. In stories, they were often depicted as concubines, witches, and mystics. William of Berkeley recorded this story in the 11th century. A woman practiced the dark arts of soothsaying and divination. Her pet crow speaks to her, and she realizes that this is a foreshadowing of her death. She is almost immediately informed of the death of one of her sons. She gathers together her remaining children, who are a nun and a monk, and instructs them on the religious rites that they must perform, so that she will be spared everlasting torment in the fires of hell with the monsters that she worshipped during her life. But it is all in vain. The rituals don't work, and the woman is commanded to rise out of her tomb by demons. Then she is dragged to where a fierce black horse is waiting. The horse has iron spikes all along the length of its back, 
and she is thrown onto the hooks and then ridden away. A Demon at the Cradle Walter Mapp was a cleric in the 12th century court of the English King Henry II. In his compilation Trinkets for the Court, written in the 1180s, some of his tales like this next one are of the supernatural. A knight loved his nobly born wife very much. On the morning after the birth of their firstborn child, the baby was found with its throat cut. The same thing happened to their second and third child. Whilst his wife was pregnant with their fourth baby, the couple were understandably afraid, and they fasted and prayed many times. The boy was born safely, and fires and candles were lit all around him to protect him as the household kept watch. Then a weary stranger arrived. He sought hospitality in God's name, so he was welcomed, and he also kept watch. By the time midnight had arrived, everyone had fallen asleep, except for the stranger, who saw an old woman approach the cradle and pick up the baby. Just as she was about to slit the child's throat, the stranger grabbed her. Everyone gathered to see that the murderer was the most respected woman in the city. When she was asked her name, she would not speak. The stranger declared her a demon and branded her face with a church key as a sign of her wickedness. He then made them go and bring back the woman who they believed she looked like. The good lady was sent for and she looked identical to the demon. Even the branding mark was the same. The stranger explained that the real lady is righteous and loved by God. Therefore, the demons were jealous and wanted to drag her down with them. So they sent a corrupted soul in her likeness to cast wicked acts upon her. Once it had been discovered and named, the demon flew out of the window shrieking and howling. The Ghost of an Ant William of Newbury was a 12th century Augustinian canon. He is one of the major sources for stories about medieval revenants. Here is one of his tales of the restless dead. A man of poor conduct came out of the area of York and sought refuge at the castle of Anant. The Lord offered him a job looking after the treasury and the man set about increasing his own wealth. He took a wife for himself and became overcome with jealousy over her. Pretending to be away for some days on a business trip, the man sneaked back into his home with the help of a maid and hid himself in the bedroom. He lay across a beam in the rafters so that he could watch what his wife would get up to whilst he was supposed to be away. He was horrified to see his wife making love to their young neighbor. Incensed, the man fell from the beam and landed between the copulating couple. The young neighbor ran off and then the wife very cleverly went to help her husband, but he accused her of betrayal and threatened her with punishment. She in turn accused him of being delusional and having some sort of illness. The effects of the fall caused the man to pass out and the priest was sent for. He told the man to make confession and take the Eucharist, but he refused, saying it could wait until tomorrow. But the man died that night, without the grace of the commendation of the dying, although he was given a proper burial. But it made no difference. Encouraged by Satan, the man's body left its resting place every night and roamed around the houses, followed by the dreadful howling of a pack of hounds. Everyone was afraid of being attacked by the monstrous fiend and dare not leave their homes from dusk until dawn. But even bolting their doors made no difference, because the air was poisoned by the carcass. 
people began to fall sick and die because they had breathed in the pestilence. The town was soon desolate. The priests set about getting help for the remaining townspeople. On Palm Sunday, after celebrating a full religious ceremony, he held a meeting. Two young men whose father had died because of the pestilence decided to take action by digging up the diseased corpse and burning it. Armed with pickaxes, the two brothers went to the cemetery and soon dug up the body. They found that it was misshapen and bloated with an enlarged face. The men began to strike at the corpse. So much blood flowed from the body that it soaked all the earth around the grave. They then realized that it was a vampire that had been sucking out the blood of all of the townsfolk. Enraged, the brothers dragged the body out of the town and built a funeral pyre. They knew the body would not burn unless they removed the heart, so one of the men reached in and seized it before throwing the corpse into the flames. Now with the remains finally destroyed, the brothers returned to the priest. The pestilence was dispelled and the air was purged, freeing the town. For those of us who are used to the horror tales of Poe, Lovecraft, and King, these stories may not seem to be particularly scary. But it has to be remembered that the people who lived during the Middle Ages would have been horrified by the thoughts of spirits being trapped here on Earth, unable to move on. The medievals were all about religion and the future of their mortal souls. Thank you for watching this Halloween special episode of Medieval Madness. Please do subscribe to the channel if you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you next week for another video. Cheers!